Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter. This is the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and we have several big interviews to bring you this week. We'll start off with two of the headliners for next week's UFC 283 card. We've got Brandon Moreno, who is going to be in the quadrilogy fight against Davis and Figueredo. The fourth time out, four times in just over two years that these two have locked horns, and they are a match made in heaven for one another in terms of in-cage action. These guys are just so evenly matched, as we've seen with one draw, one for Moreno, one for Figueredo. This is going to be the one that settles it, unless, of course, there's a draw or no contest. But let's knock on wood, hope that that's not going to be the case, because I think that four is probably enough. Although, anytime these two match up, it's been magic, so... The more the merrier, really. The headlining fight is a vacant light heavyweight championship bout between former champion Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill. And Jamal Hill joins the TSN MMA Show interview edition for this week. We'll be having a nice chat with Glover tomorrow, which will be on next week's show. So uh, hopefully you will listen to that in addition to this. Plus, of course, some interviews with... Some of the fighters on this weekend's UFC Fight Night card in Las Vegas, Nevada. We've got Dan Ige, who's going to be taking on Damon Jackson in the co-main event. Umar Nurmagomedov taking on Rowney Barcelos. And the return of Jimmy Flick, who retired two years ago, making his return to the UFC in a great fight against Charles Johnson, which I'm really, really looking forward to in the flyweight division. So those are our guests for this week. If you'd like to hear discussion about the major headlines that have taken place in the world of mixed martial arts over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I was on vacation, but that TSN MMA show edition is currently up wherever you get your podcast. So if you're listening to this and you want to hear discussion regarding all of the big headlines from the past couple of weeks, some of them have been pretty ugly to be perfectly transparent. You can find that on the TSN MMA show feed. But we'll start off with our interviews for this week. We've got Brandon Moreno followed by Jamal Hill. Danny Gay, Umar Nurmagomedov, and Jimmy Flick. Thank you for tuning in. Here we go. It's the quadrilogy fight between Brandon Moreno and Davis and Figueredo. That's a fun word. I mean, we haven't seen this in combat sports. Two fighters so competitive that we need a fourth fight. Uh, are you bored of this matchup yet, or are you excited uh, for this particular fight being a fourth time? <laughs> man, I mean, uh, one part of me, of course, is tired, man. I mean, it's the first time I get the same guy and talk with this guy again. This guy talking shit in social media against me and in, in, in interviews. Obviously, that part of me is, is very tired to hear to hear him again. But at the same time, I'm very excited, man. I'm very excited and, and more because, you know, I had this uh, little break of, of, of Davidson Figueiredo with the fight against Kekar France, you know. A, a new interaction with other with other guy, a new game plan, new face. Uh, so that uh, that gave me that gives me a, a, like a lot of positive vibes. Uh, and that said, I understand maybe uh, the the point of the people too. Like maybe it's like, oh come on, oh again, uh, Davidson Figueiredo against Brandon Moreno. I mean, I understand the point, but at the same time, I mean, all the three fights were like very interesting and very excited fights. So. 
I don't know. I think the people will uh, will love uh, this four five between us. And man, I'm very positive to get the the the, the, the victory in this one. Well, you guys make magic inside the cage, and I agree with you. I don't think there needs to be disrespect here. I think that the reason the four of you, the two of you, sorry, are connecting for a fourth time is because when you guys are in there, you produce something special. You guys are so competitive with one another. <laughs> I think that after the last fight that you had against Kaikar France, when he came into the cage and you guys showed each other respect, I think the respect would sell this fight better than drummed up, you know, animosity. I think that the fight sells itself because of how good the prior three have been. We don't need... Davison to put on an act here. I think that the respect is a better vehicle for this fight. Man, I mean, and it's it's and at the same time, I mean, it's it's not part of my personality. I mean, I don't like to talk shit about anybody. Even when I, sometimes I have the the opportunity to to smash uh, Davison with trash talk. I mean, I, I I don't I don't want it to do it, man, because it's not me. That's it. Davison, in the in the other way, he's trying to do this character of the bad guy or whatever. But man, we can we can see everything is like so fake. But man, at the same time, I'm very grateful with with him for that because he's like the the antagonist of this amazing movie, right? Yeah, it does kind of make you feel like the good guy in in this particular uh, frame. So if you are looking at it like it's a movie, he is. Kind of that bad guy. I, th I don't think he's very good at it, though. I think that it would be better if he was just being respectful. I think he's putting it on. And especially with the language barrier, I don't think it's that effective anyhow. I, th I think that regardless of what he says about you, I think you know that it's part of an act and not really how he feels. And I, and I think that that's why. I don't know if you, if you feel the same. I, I don't know if you uh, saw the, the last uh, press conference between us. But I mean... So I saw the I saw the you know the repetition, and the press conference looks like very weird, feels like very strange, because he's trying to put this character and trash talk with me, and then I I'm I'm answering him, but he looks like he doesn't understand nothing. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I just wanna fight. I just wanna say bye to this guy. And, and turn the page and, and see what happened in my future, right? Because, I mean, everything looks very brilliant with the next challengers. Now, what do you think is the next page for you if you win this fight? Do you think it's Pantosha, which would be another rematch? Because he is someone who I think is deserving of a title shot against whoever wins this fight on Saturday. Yeah, man, of course. I mean, I mean first of all, talking by myself, like, I want to be very active, man. Uh, the, one of the things... Uh, with this fight against Davison, it's like I'll be fi I'm fighting like one or twice uh, in in a year, right? So 2023, I want to fight three times at least. I want to fight this one in January. I want to fight in May or, or or June, and I want to fight in November or December. So that's the first part. The second one, yes, I mean I think Pantoja is the next one for sure. I I think he deserved the fight. Uh, even right now, obviously, the problem is this uh, amazing and magical rivalry between Davison and I. And, and that's it, man. Uh, uh, I think that's the next stage for me. One thing I've seen you get asked about, of course, is the situation with James Krause. Now, he's somebody who trained you for your last fight against Kai Car France. And unfortunately, the UFC fighters on the roster right now are not allowed to train with him. Um, and he's kind of disappeared, it seems, uh, from the, the public, uh, you know, from, from public. 
so with him being kind of out of the picture, did that throw this camp for a loop at all? Because I'm sure you were expecting to do your camp with James. This news came out in December, uh, you know, one month ago. How did that impact this particular camp leading up to the championship? And how were you able to kind of find the stability that you need for this particular matchup? Oh, man, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a history like a lot of people know, right? Like, I don't need to talk too much about the, the James situation. And um, When everything started to pull out, um, I was already in Kansas training with him and everything. But one day uh, after, after practice, he called me uh, and told me about all the, the, the situation with him. And, man, it was hard, of course. You know, it was very, very hard. But at the same time, I'm just trying to pass the page like like quick, like hey, what I need to do to solve to resolve this, like what I need to do to to keep going in this training camp. So I I came back, I moved back to to Vegas from uh, with my training partners and, my, and a few coaches, and I and I keep my training camp there. Then I uh, I start to work with Saif. Uh, the coach from 47A in, in Dallas, Texas. Uh, he he's awesome, man. He he put all all, all, all in this training camp to to get a success together, and everything looks like very natural because he came with us, like saying, like, hey, man, I, I don't want like any credit. I don't want nothing. I don't want uh, uh, nothing more. I just want to help you because I know you are an amazing guy. I just want to I just want to help. Jason, your manager, because I know you are so special for him, and I and also I want to help uh, James because I have an, a close and good relation with him, uh, and that's it, man. I think maybe the first week was hard to talk with uh, to work with him because it was the first time we work we work uh, each, uh, together, but then man, I mean the end of the training camp was amazing, man, and right now I feel very confident and I feel so positive because uh, we did everything right, and man. My sparring looks awesome. My my practices looks awesome. My workouts looks awesome. So, man, I, I'm just ready to fight. Yeah, Coach Safe is a class act. I, I, don't, I don't think you need yeah. to tell us that. He's an awesome guy. And he's he stepped up to corner other people in these kind of situations where they need somebody, yeah. even on the, the week of a fight. So uh, this doesn't surprise me at all. Now, in terms of his role for you, is it mostly just for mid, you know, in-round adjustments? He's really, really good at that. He's good at instruction during rounds and then in between rounds providing uh, a little adjustments that can help you. Is that really why he's going to be instrumental for this particular fight? 100%, man. I mean, and I think everything start, start with that because, man, I, I was ready to go, uh, like, by myself and my coaches uh, to, to the fight. Like, hey, man, I, I feel like I don't need, like, nothing more. I, I, the game plan, I was already done. So I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. But I was talking with Jason, with the manager. Like, he said something like, hey, man, like, I understand you feel ready. You look ready. You look very sharp. But uh, you never know, man. You never know what can happen in the middle of the fight, like a bad moment in the third, in the third round, whatever. I, I feel you need a guy with a cold mind uh, giving you, like, a, a specific a, a instructions uh, to resolve the problem. So, yes, man, I said, like, man, you know, we can try with another coach. And then was when we start to work with, with Saif, he went to, to Las Vegas. We, we worked, we had a an, uh, an, uh, private uh, session together. He told me all, all, uh, all the 
his thoughts about the fight, about the game plan. And actually, his game plan was very similar than our game plan. So like, hey, let's go. Let's work together. And, and we did it. And again, the end of the training camp was amazing. That's a good call by Jason, your manager, and that's why you trust him with your career. Now, final question for you. Unfortunately, you don't get to eat that well during the holiday season, but I know you have a lot of <laughs> hobbies. What was the best Christmas gift that Brandon Moreno got this year? <laughs> man, so, uh, ooh, man, I, one, of, one of my other managers, Jeremy, uh, gave me an amazing Lego set, but, man, I, it, man, I thought it was a surprise. I want to show you in an in a Instagram post and everything. Uh, because it's very cool. It's very special. It's a it's a nice specific uh, picture Lego set. I don't know how he he get he got that one, but man, uh, I'm gonna show you in in, a, in an Instagram uh, in the future. It will be very cool. I promise. But you won't show us on Twitter. You're out of that game. Oh no! Fuck Twitter. I hate Twitter. I don't like Twitter. I just like hearing you say that. I think it's funny. Uh, thank you, Brandon. <laughs> Appreciate you. Uh, it's the quadrilogy fight yourself versus Davis and Figueredo, looking to become the undisputed champion once more. Appreciate your time. Thank you for this. Let's go. Thank you, Brad. Have a nice day, all right? Jamal Hill fights for the vacant light heavyweight championship at UFC 283, taking on Glover Teixeira. You got the phone call while the two guys in the main event were still in the cage. When your phone rang, it said Brian Butler. Did you think what everybody eventually found out was going to be a title shot? No, at first I thought he was just calling me to talk about the fights. You know, um, my my manager is my guy. You know, we uh, we we locked in like that. We talk all the time and things like that. You know, just shoot the shit. Sometimes I thought he was calling me to talk about the fight. So when he mentioned to you like this, this is on the table. Were there any hesitations at all? No, no hesitation. It was immediately a fuck yeah. Because you had a, a fight lined up with Anthony Smith in March, so this was only a six-week camp. What's the shortest camp that you've done prior to this? Have you had a camp this short before? Um, in my professional career, I don't believe so. No, well, I actually, well, yeah, then probably my debut. How many weeks' notice was the debut? Do you remember? There wasn't the notice. They gave they gave me the notice on like I think I had like like eight weeks notice, but I actually ended up breaking my hand, so I had to I had to let that heal up and things like that. So it wasn't a full camp like that. Now, in terms of Glover, uh, what are your thoughts on him and what he brings to the table? Obviously, a very uh, tough opponent who has been able to find crafty ways to beat people throughout his career. Mm. Um, I, I'm expecting he's tough, he's durable, um, he's, he's going to push the pace, and uh, he wants to. He's a, he's got a good. He's got a good. He's got good wrestling. He's got great jujitsu, you know, and uh, he's got some hands in there. So just a complete fighter and a complete challenge at the top level is what I'm expecting. And you had mentioned in your interview with Ariel Helwani. I mean, you got very deep with this particular uh, outlook on on the fight, where you get to test the levels of your greatness now. Even if, for whatever reason, this goes south, you're still probably going to be able to do that down the road. Like, is that really what the goal of getting into professional competition is? Is to to just see how far you can go, and if you do get the win, what's next? Like, what what would be the next level of proving uh, th- that you can continue to reach levels of greatness? Um. Yeah, I can't speak for anybody else, but yeah, for me, that's what it's always been—just to see how great I was, just to see if I could 
really do all the things that I believe that I could do. And um, yeah, after even if this, even if like you know, let's say it don't go my way or whatever, I um, yeah, I just go back to the drawing board and evolve again, evolve again to another level. I believe in my ability to evolve as well as I do to win on Saturday. I um. And then after that, you know, if it does go, it goes my when it does go my way. Um, I plan on the next challenge is to rule. Can you rule like you think you can? Dominated division. And this is a tough division overall. I mean, Magomed Ankalaev. I think a lot of people thought he won that fight. It ended up being a draw, and I think it was a close fight overall. Do you think that he would be the next opponent for you uh, if you were to get the win? Man, I don't know. That's McMahon's job. Do you care who the next opponent is? Do you have a preference for who the next opponent is? I well, yeah, I ain't gonna lie. If I say I don't, I prefer it to be Yuri. I heard he was gonna. Um, I heard his his injury isn't gonna take as long as it as the as thought. He says he says he can be good uh, within like six to eight months. I love to. I love that fight. I, <laughs> I really love that fight. And the UFC have kind of said like we still look at him as the champion when when he's ready to come back. He's gonna fight in the first championship fight. Do you feel like? Whoever, you know, if you win again on Saturday, I hate to say if, because in your mind, it's, it's already a foregone conclusion. But so I'll say, when, I'll say when you win, <laughs> if that's the case, um, do, you, do you still feel like there's unfinished business to be truly considered the champion of that division? No, because he gave up the belt. You know, um, that was his decision. You know, I'm going to do I can only fight who's available for me to fight. So if, if right now there is no champion. I have to stake my name, uh, stake my claim on that. It's unclaimed land. So I got to go claim it and then uh, hold it down and rule and defend it. I've noticed you've been very active on Twitter <laughs> in recent days, <laughs> you know, I guess clapping back at some people. Is that a distraction for you? I guess my main question is why? I was bored. <laughs> yeah, so it's a distraction. It's something that takes your mind off of things. You know, I'll just be chilling. I'll be in, I'll be in PT. I'll be getting worked on, or I'm like chilling in like recovery or something like that. You know, and then you know, I've been letting people talk for 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 forever. You know, and uh, I don't know. I have fun with it. It's, it's it's it really it really it's not personal to me at all. It's just literally just time passing. Is that kind of an extension of who you are? Have you always kind of been somebody who's you know quick and wants to? Snap back at people if you feel like they're talking to you the wrong way. Not even, not even just like that. Not, no, not, not really. Some people I just ignore them, you know. But uh, I'm like, if somebody says something to me, usually I'm, I'm pretty good at, at speaking for myself and speaking up for myself and things like that. So I have no problem with it. Do you talk when you're in the cage? I, I mean, whether it's in training or in a UFC fight. You gotta look at you gotta look at the footage. You look at the footage. You'll see every time. I mean, they might throw something out. I'll just give them a little note. Ain't none of that, you know. You know. So yeah, I do a little bit of that. Yeah, sometimes on the broadcast it doesn't translate. I know that you have motioned it, but I, you know, I don't know how talkative you get in there. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I like I talk a lot with my hands. Hey, the fights aren't very long, so I don't think there's a whole mm-hmm. lot of time for for talking. Yeah, yeah, I like to talk. I like to talk with my hands, but at the same time, you know, I'll let I'll let somebody know, like, oh, no, not none of that. This this is what this is. This is my time. This is my world. Now, yesterday, Dana White spoke to the press, uh, and he mentioned that he doesn't want people to defend him or make excuses for him. Now, you were kind of somebody who was, I don't know if it was making but, excuses for him necessarily, but you had mentioned on Twitter 
I don't know if something got lost in translation, but do you feel like you were one of those people that was defending him? And have you second, you know, when you react to things immediately when they happen, sometimes you get a chance to reflect on that. Have you thought back on what you had said on, I guess, when that story had broken? I wasn't, I wasn't defending Dana White. I was defending men, period. You know, I was just saying, I just made a simple statement, if you, which is a true statement that everybody was taught as a kid, do unto others as you want done unto you. Don't hit anybody if you don't want them to hit you. That's the best way for, you know what I mean, for that. And that's all, you know what I mean, that's pretty much all I got to say on that. You know, people going to take take whatever, however they want to take it or whatever, try to look good for whatever. So I don't need to look good for nobody. You know, um, I do my job. So, yeah. I just wanted to ask you about it because time has passed. I don't condone anybody putting their hands on anybody. Well, that is something that is, is taught in martial arts. When you acquire these skills, a lot of it is for de-escalation rather than, rather than escalation. So, I, I mean, that's why the, a lot of the fighters speaking out against it, it, it kind of surprised me. I, can, I, can, I got my skills to get paid. Yeah, a lot of fighters also say, I don't fight for free. So, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's what you're saying right now. Basically. And when are you traveling to Brazil? I, I think you're still at your home. Uh, when are you planning on getting out there and getting acclimatized to the environment? Um, I'll be out there in a couple of days. And I don't believe you've fought in Brazil before. Have you been to uh, to anywhere in South America before? It's my first time leaving uh, leaving America. And are you looking forward to that, to, to the journey to another country and going into another man's backyard and taking, uh, well, not really what's his, but a, a vacant title? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to to it all. You know, I enjoy it. This is a life experience that very few individuals will ever get to experience. So I have to be, I have to enjoy it. You know, I'm having fun with it. Like I said, like I've said, uh, like I said before, I'm, I, I feel like I'm the, I feel like I'm the best. I'm the greatest. I'm Achilles. You know, Achilles had to go to Troy to prove that he was the greatest. He had to go to the to the gates of Troy, call out, uh, call out Hector, call out their best, and uh, kill him in front of his, kill him in front of his country. That's what I'm gonna do. Anything you want to do while you're out there that you've maybe looked into? Are you gonna spend any extra time there? <laughs> nah, I ain't gonna spend no extra time there. I'm there for business, and then I'm gonna get in and get out. Uh, maybe, maybe sometime in the future, I hope to go back and actually enjoy time there in the country. You know, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of fans in Brazil. You know, uh, I'm connected with the uh, with the Gracie family uh, through through uh, through. One of the siblings who's my head jujitsu instructor, and we we go out there sometimes for like jujitsu camps. So I, I plan on going out and enjoying it. Sometimes just this time it's just business. Well, it's something of a long trip, but the beauty of it is there's not really a time change. I think it's one hour or something along those lines. So uh, getting acclimatized uh, two hours. So getting acclimatized to the time uh, probably won't be much of an issue for you. No, nah, I think I think we'll be fine. You know, and then. Uh, Whatever we, whatever adjustments we feel need to be made to make sure I'm more, I'm perform at my best, we'll we'll do that. Well, it's a main event. We found out about just five weeks ago that it's going to be taking place in Brazil. It's the first pay per view of the year. The first time the UFC has returned to Brazil since the start of the pandemic in 2020. It's headlined by this man Jamal Hill taking on Clover Teixeira for the vacant light heavyweight championship. Really appreciate your time, Jamal, and look forward to speaking with you again soon. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Couldn't find a nicer guy for my first interview of 2023. He's Dan, 50K Ige. Won't be a very nice guy in the cage on Saturday. A big one, co-main event against Damon Jackson. And I'll throw you a bit of a softball here to start off the year. That's 
pretty sound matchmaking, I'd imagine. I think that we've got an exciting fight on our hands, regardless of how this one goes. Yeah, 100%. You know, Damon's been on a good little streak lately, and I think this is a great fight for the fans overall. This is uh, one of those fights that you got a hungry up-and-coming guy that wants to fight his way into the rankings, and you got another guy on the back end that wants to fight to try to get a win. It's been uh, almost two years, and I'm really hungry for a win, and I, I can't wait to just go out there and put on a great performance. I feel great physically, mentally, spiritually. Everything's connected, and uh, that's that's the most important thing when I step in there is that everything's just connected and ready to go out there and perform. How has the approach changed? I know in your last outing, you had a lot of different traveling, going from camp to camp. It seemed like you were kind of burning the candle at both ends. Was it a different approach this time around? Um, Definitely. And I've kind of learned this through over the years, um, really kind of picking myself apart and breaking myself down to its core. And, you know, it comes down to just believing in my heart what is right and believing in and trusting in my ability and the work that I've put in and what I'm, you know, what feels right to me. There's so many opinions out there. Uh, you may have a guy like Khabib, for example, that implements strength and conditioning is is is, uh, is BS. You know, you shouldn't do SNC. You should just grapple and spar. And that kind of goes into your head because this guy is one of the goats. And then you have a guy like Henry Cejudo telling you otherwise, another goat, another two-division two champion telling you, um, no, you should do strength and conditioning. Or you got a guy like Kamaru Usman and you have all these different voices and opinions in your head and, um, you know, you don't know which one to listen to. And what I've figured out over the years is just trusting and hear what do I feel is right. Um, trust in the work that I'm putting in, trust in my circle, trust in my team. And, you know, I, I think Dan Ige has some tricks up his sleeve too. I think, uh, I myself have a lot of advice that I could give other people, um, I, I, I've experienced a lot in my career, so I would say the approach just got a little bit smaller and tighter. And you know, I don't let the voices or opinions of other deter me from from the plan, from the path. I, I, I'm trusting in my training. I'm trusting in my team, and I think that's super important when I step in there Saturday night that I have full trust in my preparation and. That'll give me the most confidence for me to perform at the highest level. Yeah, I guess you were in a tough spot going into that last fight. You'd lost two in a row. Your coach, Eric Nixick, is going to give you the green light for whatever you want to do because I know you guys are so tight. You kind of want to explore, see what else is out there, see if you can learn some new tricks and up your game. Because it didn't work for you, you probably learned a lot from that. Of course, you end up losing three in a row as a result, but do you feel like that last loss of the streak is the most valuable for you because you were able to kind of take away something having explored and I guess expanded your boundaries a little bit and seeing what does work for you and what works best for you overall. Yeah. You know, um, I think not only the last loss, but the last three, the last year and a half, the last almost two years of was a huge learning process, you know, for me to, it's easy to walk away from the sport, you know, when things don't go your way. Um, but that's not the championship mindset. Um, I 
it's the ability to get back up and keep going for it. And, and definitely I, I took a lot of lessons and, you know, I, again, uh, I'll reiterate this. I, I really picked myself apart and, you know, it's going back to the very beginning and just establishing values in my life, establishing like putting my values as priority, not other people's values. So, um, the exploration was great. I, and I, and I not saying I'm not going to do that again, but you just have to kind of take things with a grain of salt, not take everyone's way and uh, philosophies as the only way. And I've, uh, over time you, 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 you begin to see, and this is what I've experienced that you take two philosophies of two different goats in the sport they're not compatible, but I believe they were compatible at the time. So I tried to, I, I, t- I had the Bruce Lee mindset, you know, take this, take what works, discard what doesn't. But sometimes you take two things that just don't combine and they don't work. And again, it comes down to what do I feel is right? Listening to my body, what's going to give me the most confidence at the end of the day. And I, right now I just feel mentally, physically, at my very best. Um, Damon Jackson's a tough test, obviously, but take nothing away from that guy. But I, I, I plan to go and do what I plan to do. And um, that's get a W. We're used to seeing you more active. Uh, last year, you only fought once. Did you experience burnout? Is it, is it fair to say that that is something that has affected your career in recent years? And what have you done to combat that? Um, I wouldn't... I wouldn't call it a burnout, but I did feel a little burnt out in my last training camp. I had, when I got the Movistar fight, they gave me 17 weeks notice, which was crazy. I mean, it takes six weeks to get in great shape. And um, I was already in pretty decent shape, but I, I took that fight, obviously hungry, coming off two losses, coming off a close decision loss over Josh Emmett. And I put everything I had, like I went all in. Um, like going back, I, I spent three, three and a half weeks training with Khabib and that was like top secret because it was, it was, I was fighting another Russian and I don't know if there's this politics, but they didn't want anyone to know, but I, I, I trained with them for three and a half weeks. Then I went to Colorado, um, to train with Justin Gagey for another month. Um, again, switching things up, keeping it playful, keeping it fun. Then coming back, I still had eight weeks. And when I signed a contract, I mean, people will probably say this, but like your mind goes to a little bit different place. Like this is business and serious. Um, I train year round, but that, those last eight weeks were just a grind. And I, I probably felt burnt out maybe by the 12 week mark. And the last five weeks was just going through the motions and getting through. I was ready to go. Um, and it, you know, I don't want to make excuses for my loss, but it showed fight night. Like I, for the amount of time I had, you should expect me to be in the best condition ever, everything on point. But I was lethargic. I was, I was behind. I was, you know, that guy's really good, of course. Um, but I just didn't fight to my potential, and I didn't fight to my best ability. And um, there was definitely some burnout in there, and it, and it sucks because that's the one night that I get to show all the work that I put in. And it doesn't 
go your way. So yeah, it sucked. And um, I I went through like a, I kind of got back on my horse right away after that fight. I I took a week off and I was like hungry because I was like, dude, this sucks. I put in so much work. I don't want it to go to waste. And I just started training and, and, and doing other things, doing what makes me feel good. Again, like I stated earlier, screw what other people are telling me to do. I have to listen to myself and do what makes me feel physically good and mentally good. I shut off to everyone. I started doing cold plunges first thing in the morning every day since June. Um you know, getting up out of bed, like, it sucks. I don't want to wake up because I have to jump in a cold plunge. And I started doing that to re- rebuild myself mentally. Um, physically, I reaped a lot of benefits, too. But I started doing that. Um, I went home to Hawaii, got a nice reset. It was good for my soul just to see family, spend time, get some good Hawaiian sun, vitamin D, get in the water. It felt great. Um, I had thought I was going to fight in November. The, the, the plan was to fight Shane Burgos at Madison Square Garden. And so I was preparing for that mentally. That didn't happen. He signed with the PFL, and I'm stoked for him. He's getting some good money. And then the plan was to fight in December. Uh, Ilya Taporia, that ended up not happening. He ended up fighting Bryce Mitchell. And then we got the Damon Jackson fight, so... Um, I, I'm just excited. Um, it's, it wasn't my choice to fight once last year. I would have liked to fight, fight again, but here we are and I get to kick off the new year with a bang. Which probably means you'll be fighting more than once this year. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to fight three times at least, you know, January, June, December. That'd be ideal, but you never know. You never know injuries. There's circumstances. Um, and I'm taking this one fight at a time. You mentioned Hawaii and your roots. Um, part of your roots is growing up alongside Puna Soriano, who's fighting in the fight right before you on Saturday. Um, really cool situation, but also I'm sure one where you're going to watch that fight and you're probably trying to think of how you're going to leverage the emotions either way into your fight. Is that something that you've given some thought to? Is if you're watching this and things go south, you kind of know how are you going to program yourself to react to that? Or if things go really well, feeding off of that kind of energy. Yeah. Puna and I have known each other since we were little kids. And, you know, we, we grew up talking about, dreaming about being in the UFC, coming home late at night on the city bus. We had an hour trans- transport from school to our house. And we just talked about fighting, talked about the UFC. Um, and now we get to go out there and literally live our dream. Um, we get to go. I told him this may be the one opportunity we get to share a fight card together. And this is our chance to make an impact. And regardless of result, we get to go out there and just shine. This is our chance to, to, to do it. So um, I definitely know I'll be nervous watching him right before my fight. Um, but I think that's a good thing. It's a good thing to remind me like I'm a human. I have feelings, I have emotions, I'm not wrong for that, and I'm alive. And when I know I'm alive, I can go in there and perform at my highest level. And of course, if he gets a big win, that's going to be awesome. I'm going to feed off that. And if he gets lost, I you just kind of have to take it. You know, we'll, we'll 
we'll deal with that after. But you know, this is business, and I've uh, I've wrestled with Puna. I, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but you know, I've seen him lose, and I've had to go out there and still wrestle, or I've lost, he had to go out and still wrestle, or I've won, he won, vice versa. You know, it, we are both there to do our job. You know, I can't do his job for him. He can't do mine for me. So um, I'm just really excited for the opportunity, honestly, more so than the fight that I get to share this experience with one of my best friends in the world. Well, there's a real beauty in that because you guys talked about that being your dream and you've achieved your dream. I mean, you guys are playing with house money here. It's The rest of it is just the journey, the result. That's part of the journey, but you guys have made it to the spot where you made your dreams and your athletic pursuits come true. You get to enjoy that together. So kudos to both of you, and uh, best of luck on Saturday. It's the co-main yeah. event. Yourself, Damon Jackson. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, Dan. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. You're the man. Appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, looking to come out with the win. See you guys soon. Happy to be joined by Umar Nurmagomedov, who is on Saturday's card against Rauni Barcelos. Rauni is a really interesting fighter, very, very tough. Very, very good at controlling distance. Do you think that this is your toughest challenge to date? Yes, I think this is a very hard uh, fight for me. I think he's, uh, he's very tough. And uh, I think I never fight like some, with, with the somebody like tough than this guy. Some news came obviously very recently that I'm sure you're going to be asked about a lot, which is your coach, Khabib Nurmagomedov taking a bit of a step back from the team. Um, who is going to be in your corner this weekend? And what's your reaction to Khabib uh, deciding to take a little bit more time with his family and less time doing uh, coaching and training? In, uh, in corner will be Javier, Kasum, and my manager, my brother Ali, and about his decision. I'm not surprised. Uh, I was no, and we was talking about this. And... Uh, I'm not nervous. I'm okay. We we have like calling, like we talk. He give me advice about fight, about cut weight, and every, everything same. But uh, he just stopped like too many fly, like too many travels. Will practice be easier in the future? I think it will be same. We will be training together, like in Dagestan when he will be at home. I think nothing changed with brothers. So he's still going to be involved a little bit from what I understand. Is that what, what you've heard, that he's still going to be doing some training and overseeing the team, just not traveling as much? Yes, yes. He, 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 he will not like travel too much. He will, he will take care about himself, his family, his mother. I think this is, you know, this is very hard things, like traveling too much, like, corner everybody. I think we, he, this is not easy. That's why he make decision and I'm happy for him. What can you say about him? Because it's very hard to be a coach where you have fighters that don't lose. Like if you look at 2022, I can't think of any of the fighters that he coached that lost fights in, the, in Bellator or PFL or, or the UFC. And then he's undefeated as a fighter, 29-0. We just don't see this level of excellence in MMA, ever, not only as a fighter, but then as a coach, when you look at Habib, will there ever be another Habib in the sport, or is he a one of a kind? I think this is guy have in the blood, like coaching, fighters, like everything, these uh, things, and uh, I don't think so. he, he can stop him. 
he, he will be control me, my brother, other guys, but not like Sam, you understand? He, he don't want to travel too, he don't want to come to camps, stay with us a couple of months, and like this. And... Uh, I think I don't. I don't think he's he can change like stop like he have to say I'm gonna stop and don't do nothing like you understand he cannot around like like uh, all all things but he have to be like uh, coaches where when I will be at home I think I'm going to his gym I'm gonna travel training with him like everything is same. Your brother Usman became the champion in Bellator recently. Are you surprised that he became the champion at such a young age? No, this guy must talented than me. He's he's a very he have very good skills and he have he's he's tough guy. Uh, I'm not was surprised and uh, I think he will be beat all these guys who have in the Grand Prix and we're training, we're preparing for this and we will see. Are you the next one from the camp that's going to be a champion? I think yes. I think yes. And we have another guys uh, who fighting in 1FC. He close to two guys. They close to Bell uh, to for fighting for the title. I think they will be quickly, quickly than me. I need, I think, one year for far fight. Your division, bantamweight, might be the toughest division in the entire sport in the UFC. When you look up the ladder, is there any particular opponents that you're excited to be facing in the future that you, you feel like would be a fun fight for you? I I didn't see nothing dangerous. I, I think I can beat everybody, and I'm preparing for this. And I have to just fight, just beat these guys. How close are you to Saeed Nurmagomedov, uh, who's in your division as well? I don't know if you are related to him, but he seems to be doing very well. And you don't see people, uh, fighters from Dagestan, really face each other on, on these big cards. Like, I, I don't think we'll see a Nurmagomedov versus Nurmagomedov, but what's Saeed's relation to you? We have very good relationships, and I think I'm never going to fight with him. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, we, we're not going to meet for sure. And of course, Islam Makhachev next month. It's the first time we've seen the number one pound-for-pound -pound fighter against the number two pound-for-pound -pound fighter in MMA. Uh, how do you think that one goes? And, you know, if Volkanovski somehow manages to win, is he one of the greatest of all time? I mean, right now he's a, he's a 45er. He's a featherweight. Islam is going to be, a, I think, a, a bigger fighter. But uh, what would it mean, do you think, for either of them if they win? What, what does that do for their legacies? I think this is uh, not easy fight for them. I think, uh, but I think uh, no, Islam is lightweight, right? Volkanovski come to lightweight, and Islam have uh, I no more more power. He will be more like big big than Volkanov big than Volkanovski, and Volkanov Volkanovski need to be like preparing. I don't know how. Islam very good. No, nobody no understand how Islam is good. He's a very, very tough guy. I think he can beat he can he can go one division up and become champion. You think at 170 he could be a champion one day too? Yes, for sure. 
this guy very talented he's disciplined he have power and i saw how how many guys he choke adcc champions and he's 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 grappling high level striking same i don't know who can beat him well you're part of a long lineage of great fighters with nurmagomedov as their last name and i don't know if you know the statistic i i keep posting it but Fighters that have Magomed in their name in the UFC have won 86% of their fights. So I, I like your chances this weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I saw this. I, I saw this. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Well, best of luck this weekend. And I uh, look forward to your bout against Rowney Barcelos. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Jimmy the Brick Flick is back. One of the most exciting fighters to watch in the UFC. Was just getting excited for his career and then decided to take a bit of a hiatus. But you're back after a two-plus year absence. Uh, tell me about how retirement life was and what made you decide to come back. Uh, retirement life was good. I didn't have to train. I didn't do much besides work and spend time with my family. Uh, I had a wife at the time. That was one of the reasons I you know, retired. I had a lot of reasons I retired, but I just lost the passion for the sport. I had a lot going on in my life, and I thought it was the right decision for my family. Uh, you fast forward to two years, my life has changed, and uh, me and my partner at the time are no longer together, and we have different views on life, and uh, we went different ways, and uh, thank goodness the UFC gave me a call and said I could come back. Is there a singular moment that you can think of where, uh, I guess, the, the, the passion was rekindled? Uh, it happened probably a couple weeks after uh, me and my ex split up. I was not in a very good place, and uh, one of my sponsors reached out to me, and my coach reached out to me and was like, at least come into the gym, try it out, see what it does. You haven't been in here in a couple years, and... As soon as I got back in the gym, it was just like I was back home. It was meant to be, and everything was meant to happen the way it happened, even though it was unfortunate. And I'm just glad that I got the passion for the sport back, and I love being at the gym. I love training, and I love being here. It's been a great fight week. I've been smiling all week, even though I still got weight to cut, but I'm glad to be here. So you had basically cut all ties with MMA. You weren't going and practicing or anything. You were, you were out. Yes, the only thing I did was my flick picks. I do um, my picks every week for UFC fights. It's called flick picks. I've been doing that for like five, six years. And I mean, I love watching the sport and I've missed it, of course. And I just, like I said, I thought I was doing what I had to do to, you know, make my life and my family's life better. And that's what I did. And, uh, but the road came back around and I got an opportunity to be full force and do this. And I can't wait. Just predictions, though, right, Jimmy? Just predictions. No betting. Just predictions. Never, never betting. <laughs> well, that's what we like to hear. Uh, uh, well, it's great to have you back. I've always uh, been really enamored with your really offensive style, especially the way that you always are pursuing submissions. Are we going to see the same kind of offensive-minded Jimmy Flick this Saturday? I don't see why not. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I know Charles is a game opponent. Uh, Charles has never been finished. So that's one of my goals is I would love to finish Charles, be the first one. Uh, and to come back and finish somebody like Charles after a two-year layoff uh, would look amazing to show I haven't lost a step and that Jimmy the Brick Flick is back. 
Absolutely. What, what part of your game do you think has gotten better uh, since we last saw you? What have you been focusing most on? My stand-up, for sure. When I got back, uh, I wanted to be punched and do a lot of punching, you know, with what I was going through in life. And uh, uh, I was pretty angry, and uh, I feel like it helped prevail my stand-up to the next level. Uh, I feel I added more power. Uh, me and my coach worked a lot on that, and uh, I'm excited to see it all come together Saturday night. So before you did go back to the gym, were you at a pretty bad place in your life? Was it, was it a, a spot where... MMA kind of saved you from despair, I guess, for lack of a better term? Most definitely. Uh, once it happened, I, I wasn't ready. It was unexpected for me, and uh, I didn't know how to react. And uh, I've always been a family man. And uh, so I was 32 years old, and I had to move out on my own. I had to start all over. Um <laughs> The only thing I did after my UFC fight that was smart is I brought a brand new vehicle. And right before all this happened, I sold that brand new vehicle, got the same amount of money I paid for it, bought a piece of crap truck because I was going to open my own gym. And I did want to be back into the sport of jiu-jitsu. And then everything made a turn. And instead of opening my own gym, I decided to go back to the UFC because they accepted me. And the, le the rest is history. And you had left the uh, USADA program. So how long have you been back in the program for? Since July. I entered back in July. Um, I've probably been drug tested about five or six times. I've uh, had blood work drawn as well. So uh, everything's good. I, USADA was never my issue. And that's what a lot of people said, something about going and doing steroids. Like, I didn't even train, therefore lift weights or do anything. And... I was walking around at about 160 pounds, and then uh, when I announced I was coming back, I was like 140, and everybody was like, how is he such in shape? And uh, I told people, I was like, look, that's the depression and Bud Light diet right there. And so that's what it was. You were, you were in a pretty unhealthy state when you decided to come back. You really had to commit yourself. Most definitely, man. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was out partying. Uh, was did some things I wasn't happy about, you know, and uh, some things that happened that I wasn't happy about. But at the end of the day, I was able to move forward, you know, get my mind right and move forward for all the right reasons. And that's my daughters and for myself. And also your dad, I saw, is with you for Fight Week. I saw that you posted on, uh, on Instagram. He's been really instrumental towards your martial arts journey. So what does it mean to have him back with you? And, and how valuable has it been to have him in your corner in life, not, of course, just this weekend, but in life going through what you've gone through? That's the biggest part and the most important part for me this weekend, you know, is to make that walk with my father. Um, me and my father started doing this back in 2009 together, or 2008 training jiu-jitsu. Uh, my father's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, and like I said, we had our ups and downs. Um, he hit some bridges in his life, and uh, after I retired and we were able to start kindling ourselves again in a different way, it kind of just brought us back together, and we kind of see life in a uh, in different ways, but in the same way as well, with the same outcome that we want to be in each other's lives and we want to be there for each other. And uh, I was so happy to have him back. It's been great with him here in fight camp. He's just been helping me a lot, very motivating. Uh, him and my mother also helped me a lot when I was going through everything I was going through and they really stepped up and I can't thank them enough. And uh, it's a dream come true to have my father make that walk Saturday night.
Now, sometimes in life, you have to be at a very low point and you have to hit, almost hit rock bottom before you can figure out what you need to turn it around. Is that kind of what happened with you? Is like you, you got to uh, a, a terrible part in your life where you just wanted to find an escape and your escape had always kind of been martial arts. That, that's perfect. That's exactly it. And uh, I was at a very high place for a very little amount of time and I, I let it go. And unfortunately, I did it for all the wrong reasons, but it came back around for all the right reasons. And uh, I'm happy for it. I'm grateful for it. And I'm going to move forward with life. And it's full force from here. And I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to enjoy all these moments and take it all in like I should have from the beginning. And yeah, I'm excited that or I'm glad I hit rock, rock bottom to really bounce back up and really to see what I went through mentally, physically, and emotionally and can still push through in life. It's rare that I'm surprised by someone's retirement. You know, Leah Letson retired this week. She wrote uh, a long thing on Instagram about how she had kind of fallen out of love with the sport and how she had a lot of health issues stemming from the sport. With you, you were on top of the world. You just won a contender series, won a contract, had a highlight reel, flying triangle finish. And then when you announced your retirement to me, I was like, this guy... Um, I don't know what's happening with him, but for him to walk away at, at this high of, of a plateau in his career, you just don't see it all that often. So was there like a singular moment that made that decision for you where you were like, I, I can't continue doing this? Yeah, I just woke up one morning and after gym, I was just in tears and I didn't want to be at gym no more. I didn't want to go to gym that night. I mean, I was getting ready to fight the uh, UFC champ's little brother. I mean, the UFC had a platform for me to build my name to be the next big thing, no problem. And it was right there in front of me, and I don't know what happened. I, I Like I said, I just the passion just left, and it just wasn't there. And I thought I made the right decision, and I still to this day, like I said, I did make the right decision because I'm happy where I'm at, and uh, now it's full force. I got three fights left on my contract, and we get to kick 2023 off with a bang. Well, it's great to make your acquaintance, Jimmy. Uh, you, you're a very uh, refreshing individual. And uh, I, like I mentioned, I have a great appreciation for the way that you compete and the way that you fight. So uh, looking forward to seeing you back in the Octagon this Saturday. Hi, hey, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it, man. I can't wait. Tune in. A big thank you to our first guests of 2023, Brandon Moreno, Jamal Hill, Dan Ige, Umar Nurmagomedov, and Jimmy the Brick. Flick, thank you to all of them for joining me. And next week is UFC 283. I will not be traveling to Brazil. I will still be here in the Great White North to bring you all of the coverage required to satiate your appetite for UFC 283, as well as interviews with uh, Gilbert Durinho Burns and Glover Teixeira coming up, and possibly an interview with uh, UFC President Dana White, who had an availability yesterday. Again, if you want to hear the discussion surrounding the incident on New Year's Eve with uh, UFC President Dana White. You can hear that on the main TSN MMA show, which is available on the same feed as this particular show. So you can check that out there. I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to be getting time with uh, Dana White, so we'll, we'll, we will see. But uh, either way, UFC 283 next week. All of the coverage you need at tsn.ca slash UFC. All of my work can be found at www.aaron.report. Thank you for supporting my work. Uh, would appreciate a five-star review for this show as well as some ratings uh sorry some you know kind words about the show where you go and review it appreciate you tuning in week in and week out so thank you for this and we will be back 
next week. Until then, be well, be kind, and be enthusiastic. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.